it's EJ, one of the co-hosts here at Behind the Mask, and Lori and T are joining me today. This is episode 39, The Masks of Generations. Just a friendly reminder that anything discussed in this podcast is not to be used as a diagnosis or a replacement for conversations with your own doctors, therapists, psychologists, or other medical professionals. Good morning, everyone. I'd like to start off by saying I have a cold and I sound a little different. Um, I may mute myself on and off in case I have to cough or whatever. And I might even say something a little flighty <laughs> more than normal because I think I'm on quite a bit of uh, Dayquil and NyQuil. So thanks for um, your grace and patience. But as usual, we, we love to pick our topics based upon what's going on in our lives. And gosh, about a week or so ago, I had an interesting conversation with one of my boys and it just, it kind of shocked me. And I was like, wow, I didn't know that he thought that way. And then I had a conversation with my other son and he's like, well, I think this way about it. And I was like, okay, well, this is interesting. So brought it up to the girls and we decided to talk about the masks of generations. So what exactly are we talking about? There's a difference between every generation and how we approach things, how we view things, the perspectives that we have on life are based on often where we are generationally. And it affects our communication, it affects our relationships, and it's amazing how much difference there is between the generations. I think every, well, we are as an American society, a little uh, uh, egocentric driven. Um, everything is about me, 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 right? Um, so I feel like it's obvious that we would then view things differently. But I was surprised at how very different those views are and how in this conversation with my son, we could view something and it was just completely different and it kind of blew me out of the water, so. I think that it would be really good right here if EJ, you went ahead and identified the different uh, names of the generations. Can you share that with us? Uh, yeah, I can do that. Um, yeah, so I went online and I just kind of looked because I always get confused with like the Gen X and the millennials and the Gen Z because they it's kind of a little gray area sometimes and you never really know. So according to uh, some research, uh, I will share the link in the description for the podcast is, um, so I'm gonna start with the oldest generation that was listed at least on this uh, document. So the World War II generation are those um, people born in 1922 to 1927. Um, so they're currently, if they're still alive, would be 96 to 101. Uh, my uh, 
mom's mom was born in 1924 and my dad's parents were born kind of early 1920s, late 1900s or like early 1900s. So they kind of fall into that category. Um, Then there's the post-war generation, which were born between 1928 and 1945, meaning that they were growing up after World War II. So they currently are 78 to 95 years old. The boomer generation is often split into two categories, but I listed it just as one category. Um, So those are the the boomers are born from 1946 to 1964, um, which is why they usually break it up because it's almost 20 year uh, age range there. Um, So they are currently 59 to 77 years old. The Gen X are born from 1965 to 1980, who would be 43 years old to 58 years old. I fall into the millennial category because I was born in 1983 and the millennials are from 1981 to 1996, as both Lori's boys do as well. Um, And my kids. And T's kids. And then the Gen Z are those that were born in 1997 to, to 2012 it's hard to believe there's children that were born you know in the 2000s (laughs) um so they would be 11 to 26 um as somebody who grew up in a household where my mom and my well my i can't take that back my dad is actually falling into the post-war category and my mom was in the early boomers um so he was 44 and she was 51 night um, in the years and so I definitely was raised a lot more um, uh, different than some of the other uh, gen uh, millennials that I was going to school with because my parents were about 10 years older than most of theirs and I even growing up that's like it was always my parents decided to wait and have children when they were a little older and not have children in their 20s so you know, when I meet these friends that are my age and then their parents are like 10 years younger than mine, it's like my parents didn't get along with any of them or they, you know, there were a few that they got along with well, but it was often just, I would go hang out with my friend or my friend would come over and hang out with me and there was no interaction with parents. And oftentimes, you know, there's that kind of era where like, oh, the parents will also be friends. And then that makes the families closer and things like that. And that didn't happen a lot in my circle, except for like a handful of people. Um, And also I was raised as an only child. And because I was kind of in that early millennial stage, I have a lot of um, Gen X tendencies because I I matured a lot quicker because I was raised by older people and I was around a lot more adults uh, at a younger age and dealing with more adult things at a younger age. So I was dealing with, you know, drama and family stuff a lot sooner than some kids do. Yeah. So those are just a few things I noticed. And I, it's, I also like to think about it too, is it's crazy because there's a lot of people still living that are in the post-war era. Um, and our age of living is extended, like because of, you know, medical, um, practices and discoveries that we've had, there's a lot more people living longer which is impacting so many things. And it's, I I just, from generation to generation, 
you know, everyone always says, oh, well, the generation ahead of us is just, just young pups or young kids. And um, it's, it's hard because I'm like, I fall into millennials and I'm like, oh, these Gen Z kids, you know, Lori's grandson is what's, I, I did, it didn't say like, what are the ones that are born after 2012? Um, I don't know, probably the computer generation or something, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's interesting. And I, I definitely have some perspectives on, you know, my grandmother, my mom's mom lived with us from the time they'd gotten married and then they had me like five years later. And so she was already living with my parents. Um, and so she was born in 1924 and in her era, you know, women were the house, um, you know, housekeepers. They, we, they took care of the home. Uh, they cooked, they cleaned, they did sewing, they crocheted, the, all that stuff. And that's what she wanted me to do. She wanted me to enjoy history and English. And I was not that. Um, as if you guys know me, I am a science and math person, like first and foremost, I hated English and I still hate history to this day. And my grandmother just her and I would get into arguments all the time about whenever I would be complaining about doing my English or my history and she would that stuff she loved but that's how she was raised that's what she enjoyed when she was growing up and she was trying to push that on me and I was like not having any of it <laughs> which I think is kind of why we decided to do this topic because you know we've all experienced that kind of generational push and the older generations can't handle or can't deal with what the younger generation is doing. And the younger generation, oh, that's just mom or it's just grandpa. And I don't want to deal with, you know, just, I'm just taking it in, you know. And the younger generation tends to be like, I'll never do what the older generation is yep, doing. There's that. Yep. You hear that <laughs> phrase, like, if I ever turn into my parents, shoot me, you know, just as a joke, but it's because, you know, we, or what's the, what are those commercials? And I don't even know what company it's for. Cause I just kind of watch over them now, but it's the, like, like, Oh, the, the ones that become the new homeowners and like the being the parents and the guy writes the book and he's like, you don't need a line monitor. And, you know, like, you know, take them on an elevator and he's trying to teach them how not to be their parents. And yeah, I was like, Oh my God, I like totally understand this commercial. <laughs> those commercials make me laugh because they really, they really, uh, it is real. It's real. So what's some of the psychology behind this, T? <laughs> Where do I start? Yeah. I, I think you have two factors in each generation. Uh, first is is what EJ was describing as the, the family, um, the, the family aspect, what you're exposed to within your family generationally. But then you have what, what society or what the world is telling you about your generation and where you should be at and what you should be doing. And, um, and sometimes it catches up, sometimes it gets ahead, sometimes it falls, you know, falls behind on what's actually happening. Right. Um, so, you know, and then there's the, the transitions. Uh, what is our role within our generation? And, you know, where we're at in our generation. So when I was younger, you know, what was expected of me versus where I'm at now, what's expected of me. And, um, and sometimes there's that adjustment piece to it as well. But I find it, I think the funniest thing to me is, you know, that old, 
uh, depiction of the older generation of get off my lawn and <laughs> you know and then and now I'm there like get off my lawn seriously <laughs> you know and I'm like when did that happen <laughs> I I totally relate to that I more and more the older I get I'll find myself saying a phrase or um, feeling, you know, repeating something one of my grandmothers or my mother would have said. And I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, I'm turning into them, which is why those commercials are so funny. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I think it naturally happens. We don't, some of that, that's what we grew up with, right? And so it doesn't just disappear, even if we ourselves kind of run away from it. Um, I think I think those things, they stick with us, they're, they're, no matter what, you know. But I also am not a believer that we're stuck with, with what we grew up with. We can change things. We can... Right move forward especially in a healthy and positive if we choose to uh, because not every one of us you know wants to bring all the mess that that we grew up with um but as a person who came from a pretty abusive background and you know uh not, not the, I don't know, not the happiest of upbringings, right? And T, maybe there's some psychological thing with this, but I have found myself, the older I get, the more gracious and the more softer, I have an ability to look back and say, yeah, that wasn't great, but they did the best with what they had. And for me, and maybe because I've chosen to, you know, try to healthily move forward, I find that I'm able to be a little softer in my reflections of what went on prior and not, not lessening things and not excusing them, but just being able to look back with a little bit more grace, I guess. So what happens is, is we, we've done another podcast on perspectives and I think this, or perceptions, um, I think this is related to that because as we get older and we look back, we have a lot more awareness of what, like maybe what was going on behind the scenes that we didn't know at the time we were experiencing it. We, we have our own experiences in which we wish we would like others to be grace-filled and forgiving for or whatever. And so when we look back with that mindset of like, okay, what was that person going through that we had that, that issue with? And, and we look back and we're like, well, they were trying to put food on the table. They were trying to... Right 
manage not just my behavior as a teenager you know if I'm looking back at my mom she's not just wasn't just trying to manage my behavior and what I was doing and make sure I grew up to be a functioning adult she was also having them to figure out how she was going to pay the rent how she was going to put food on the table how she was going to uh, help my sister through her stuff and help my brother through his stuff and so she had multiple hats that she was wearing and and then on top of managing you know whatever was going on at work and this and that I at 16 had no idea what that meant I had none all I knew is what I was experiencing from my point of view but now that I have gone through that young adulthood and raising children and understanding that I had many things on my plate, that something, I was going to mess up something, surely. And so I can kind of have that experience to look at back at my mom, um, who did a wonderful job. I've never had a complaint about, about her, um, right. funny lady. But, you know, that's just an example. I can look back and understand that, wow you know I really gave her a run for her money thinking I was and I didn't think I was I thought I was a good kid I, I mean I hope I was but I didn't realize the impact I was having on her because I didn't understand everything that she was going through but she had gotten to that place through experience and kept getting the experience etc so um, she would try to impart a lot of wisdom on me and I didn't want to hear it because well I could do it different and, or I could do the same thing that she had failed at, because that's how I put it to her. Just because you failed at it doesn't mean I'm going to fail at it. Mm-hmm. And the first time my children said that to me, I was like, oh, I, re- I remember that. <laughs> I remember doing that. So I, right. I did, I did have a, a you know, a bit of an understanding of where they were at. And then suddenly had an understanding of where my mom was at. No, I'm curious. <clears throat> what do you think? What do you think drives the kind of bitterness or the the darker side of this generational separation? Oh, for the sake of this podcast, I'll try to keep it simple. Yeah. Um, I think it's our roles Mm. and it's more complicated than that, but it's our roles. It's our, our position that we are taking on. Um, And so as a parent, uh, let's say a parent of a teenager, the parent of the teenager is never going to be the good guy for that teenager until that teenager is an adult. Right. Um, so there's that plus the fact that, um, or a young adult to an older generation and the older generation, like, dude, I can see, okay. I just gave away my generation, dude. <laughs> but it's like looking back and saying, I can look at these, these young adults and say, that's going to be a hard road if you stay on that road, because I know I've done it. And they're like, get out of my space, get in your own lane. And it's like, but I want to save you some heartache. Right. So there's some bitterness and resentment that can come from that. Plus, I think we have um, issues within society that has decided what our roles should look like, and we may not feel like we fit them. So very true. Yeah. You know, as, as a grandparent, um, I'm, you know, might be expected from society's standpoint to behave a certain way, uh, to be my age and to behave a certain way. And, um, and then the same goes for, we expect the younger generations to behave a certain way. Society expects them to, to be a certain way within that role. So, and then if we're like 
Lori, you and I were new, newer grandparents, were grandparents and um, we're parents of adult children. Yes. And we want to feel useful and um, n- not being a parent anymore. That doesn't just go away. Just because your kids turn 18 doesn't mean you're not a parent anymore. You're just, what you do as a parent looks different. It's supposed to look different. And we have that, have the grace enough to give ourselves that chance to change our roles. Um, I still, to this day, it, I mean, my kids are late twenties, early thirties to this day. If they say, Oh, I'm having a problem with this. I immediately go into, okay, you need to do this, this, and this. And then I also immediately try to do it for them to this day. And, um, I've had some opportunities where I didn't have the chance to do that and they got a chance to do it for themselves. And I was like, Oh yeah, you're an adult. (laughs) You can do those things. I forgot. My kids are very gracious. Most of the time about every once in a while, I get a kiddo who's a little fresh, gets a little frustrated with it, but most of the time they just like, okay, mom. Okay. mom." It's interesting that you brought that up. I had a, I think it was, Sunday on the way to church, I had a conversation with a friend of mine and she was asking me, grandma to grandma, how do you deal with, you know, X, Y, and Z? And I was like, I bite my tongue off. I don't even think I have a tongue left sometimes. Because, you know, when, when we're dealing with adult children, I feel like it's it's just something that we, I think you're right. I'm, I'm trying to be graceful with my adult children and they're trying to be graceful with me. Sometimes they're not trying to be graceful with me, but they just want me to stop being mom. But I do tend to um, run to wanting to uh, solve it. And I do tend to run to wanting to fix it right away. And often as my adult children will sometimes gently remind me, they don't want me to fix it. They don't want me to solve it or do it for them. But more often than not, they just want a good safe sounding board. They want a good place to vent about it, a place where hopefully someone will understand them, hear them out and hopefully not judge them. But yeah, I, I laughed with this other grandma and I said, more often than not, I have to bite my tongue off to not say too much or, you know, um, say something I'll regret later. So, yeah. I have so much to say. (laughs) And maybe here's the millennial in me, but it's like, I want them to fall on their face. Like, uh, honestly, like I not, and I'm not just talking about y'all's like grandchildren or your kids or anything. I it just, I grew up in a, you know, as I was saying earlier, the household I grew up in, I was the only child. I had three generations living in one house. I had my parents, myself, and then I had my grandmother, um, you know, and I, I had a great relationship with her, but I also had a great relationship with my dad mom who lived in Minnesota and my dad grew up there he grew up on a farm he grew up with a very self-sufficient life 
And I think, you know, to answer your question from earlier, there's jealousy, envy, animosity towards both gener like from younger generations to older generations and older generations, to younger generations. When my dad joined the, joined the Navy and then he got out and he joined, um, started working for a shipyard, uh, military shipyard, you know, he, when it was, he was younger and first starting out, it was okay to have a supervisor that was a few years older than you, or, you know, it made sense. But then when he continued in that job for years, because he didn't want to be in management, he was starting to have 25 year old guys getting out of the Navy and coming and becoming his boss. And he never made that easy for them. Like my dad, he's like, all oh, these little, um, you know, effed up little sailor boys. And he just, he, he but it, I think in deep down, it was an animosity that I don't want that job, but I sure as hell don't want to have a 25 year old boss. Cause that's, you know, cause that's generation. And I, you know, both my parents had dreams of retirement and traveling and now they're seeing, or, you know, I'm seeing, you know, my mom constantly, if anybody who knows my mom, you know, listens to this, sorry, but when they would start at school, like she, cause she worked in a school and she you know, worked around a lot of people that was her age and older. And, you know, in the summers when they'd go on cruises or they'd go on these family vacations and like, they'd come back and talk about it and how much credit card debt they had to pay off just so they could go on this vacation. She'd just be like, they're freaking idiots. <laughs> like, and she didn't want to hear it. Like, I'm so tired of hearing them talk about their stupid cruise because I think she was jealous of the fact that they were a little older. They had some money set aside. They could do this traveling. And it's there again, it's a generation thing, but also seeing, you know, now the younger generations are starting to do that more or they're completely quitting their nine to five job and they're taking a remote job so they can travel around the world and they're doing it successfully. And then you have us kind of in that limbo era where we're like, you know, late thirties to early fifties. And we're kind of not in a rut, but we're definitely going both places and we're trying to have that, but we can't do that financially and we're not set up and it just, yeah. So I just think there's a lot of that I, I think you hit on a few things that are super important. Um, first of all, uh, in each generation, like you listed out, had different economic and world events going on during mm -hmm. them that impacted how they viewed the world and how they interacted within the world. Um, right. And then they're trying to impart that wisdom on the next generation, but the next generation always believes they can do it better right. and look better at it while they're doing it. So that's a factor. And then you have the factor of where do you live? Yeah. So that's a thing too. So, and what's, what's, you know, each area has its own values, I guess I would call it, or a way of doing things, you know, mm -hmm. like if you're in a rural setting, you're yeah. likely to be more of a, you know, maybe blue collar working night, uh, you know, working from dawn until dusk. And so that's the, the, the yeah. thing, if you're working in a city, you're going to have access to different things and, and different tools. So um, I think that's definitely a factor too. And then, and then one of the things that I noticed that's going on right now is our boomers are having to work yeah. well past retirement age yeah. my my mom is 72 and still working well right. she's going to be 70 no she's 72 right now she's going to and she's still working yeah. and it's not a a sit down job it's not it i mean she's 
got to be on her feet, uh, on her toes and ready to, to do what she needs to do in the job she's working in. So, um, yeah. And, and then, you know, you go anywhere and you're seeing the other day I had, uh, um, someone delivering pizza and they were past retirement age. And so, yeah, I think those are all factors. Definitely. It is. And I, I feel bad because I was thinking too, like, you know, and we've talked about it and I think Lori and I've talked about it. And I think we've even mentioned it on here that, you know, the, the website tear the paper ceiling. Unfortunately, 30, 40, 50 years ago, the education was not there. And a lot of people, the only way to get a job, like all my life growing up, it was, you have to get a bachelor's degree or you're never going to succeed. That's changing. Because now they're starting to realize, some companies are starting to realize that people have experience that doesn't involve an education from a, you know, some Ivy League school. But school was not available to many people in the boomer generation, the post-war generation. Like college was not a thing. And so then there was like that gap in time where like it was the only thing. And you know they were encouraging their, you know, <clears throat> boomers were encouraging their children to get a college degree because that was the only way you were going to succeed because in my generation we didn't have that or you know be lucky if you could go to school and and then there's now there's that you know kids are taking a gap year and they're they're deciding to do other things outside of going to school and they're being successful and then it's like well they you know they don't have a degree but yet they're doing this and so there's just I yeah it's definitely perspective and you know we talked a little bit about kind of seeing things and I we may have to revisit perspectives from like a generational um thing because I feel like that's kind of where we're leading in a lot of what we're talking about so T I guess now might be a good time so how do we outside of just biting our tongue off you know or keeping quiet or uh, just casually accepting. What are some ways that we can better communicate among these generational gaps, if you will? Well, I think my answer for that would be my answer for anything dealing with communication is um, validating the other person that you're talking to. Right. Um, you can have an opinion and a point and a thing to say, and you can, you know, shove it down someone else's throat. That's certainly an option. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest it. But if you include in there, you know, that, that your opinion and whatnot, but you include in it, hey, I get where you're at. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't been, do that. I've been there, <laughs> done that necessarily because you know, then they start hearing, oh, yeah, that's right. You didn't have shoes and walked uphill both ways in the snowstorm. That's what they're hearing. Even that's not what you're saying. That's what they're hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. So, but, you know, like, hey, man, it must be really tough to try to figure that out. And I'm really proud of you for, for taking that on. If you would like some ideas or some thoughts, I, I certainly have them. And if it's my kids, they know that already, um, you know, but I do give them that space to say what they want to do and I and I do do some biting of tongues like you know I'll, I'll put my opinion out there and if I get an argument back I'm like okay I'm here when it doesn't work I really like the, 
that you use space. Yes. And I think that that is so very important. I think we all need to remember that. It's just giving each, validating, giving some space, giving some room to have a different opinion, to, to go through a different experience. And I really, I really like that space. That, that's a huge and thing. And we can expect it back. We can have our own boundaries. Right. and expect respect yeah. um we don't have to demand respect but we can there's a there's different kinds of respect and that's a maybe a topic of its own is the mass of respect because i'll t- tell you people's idea of what it is and why they should have it blows my mind sometimes yeah. but i can expect you to respect my boundaries i can expect you to not treat me like crap because I'm not treating you like crap. And I don't think our job as role models for our children or anybody else ever stops. So we have to be what we want to see. Amen. We have to, if we want them to give us grace, we have to give them grace. Yes. yes. And we can say that out loud. Like if they, if we give them grace and they're coming back and it's not very graceful, we can be like, hey, now I'm not treating you like that. You don't treat me like that. Yes. Yes. And I, I, you know, I kind of said it flippantly and then I went into something else, but, you know, I was like, I want them to fall on their face. And I feel, cause I've experienced that so many times with friends in my community, as well as people older than me and younger than me. And I can tell you until I'm blue in the face, what's going to work and what's not going to work. But until you fall on your face, because you, you decide to do it your way anyway, um, then come at me don't be surprised if I say something along the lines of I told you so and it's not a I'm not trying to be egotistical in that I'm a know-it-all but I have a logical thinking mind and I can kind of process through like the steps of the situation and be like I don't think that's gonna work you might want to try this oh no I'll do this okay sometimes on a miracle it works but most of the time it doesn't and they're back yeah I should listen to you (laughs) yeah so one of the things that reminds me of that reminds me of because the flip side of that is sometimes there I try to remember there's more than one way to do something Mm -hmm. I used to do this activity with uh I I worked at a um a, a group home for boys who were very badly behaved they couldn't make it in foster care system and um so they had some pretty big behaviors and my job part of my job was to take them to appointments and then when we were done with the appointments I would know the different routes it would take us to get back to the home and we would come to a a spot where there was a decision to make turn right or go straight type thing and I would always give them the option of do you want to go right or do you want to go straight straight and we would do things like that the whole way back and one of the things and the kids often express that they learned from this is there's more than one way to get somewhere right and if you come up against an obstacle there's another way to you know there's likely another way to get to where you want to go and so um but I have to remind myself of that too when I'm dealing with others who may not I may think well I don't think that's going to work. And then it ends up working. (laughs) 
you know, and I have to remind myself that's because it was more than one way to do it. And each person has their strengths and abilities that make that way work for them. And Mm so it's like two sides of the same coin. It's like, don't come at me. If you came to me for advice, I gave you advice. I warned you against this and you still did it anyway. Don't come at me for your mistakes at that point. But on the other side of it, cheer them on if they succeed because they found another way to do it. Right. I think a couple of key things that I heard in there as well to remember that we're a team, especially family and close friends. And we don't, we don't, we don't live life in a void, in a vacuum, in a box. You know, we we're living together and you know, as a faithful person, we talk about the unconditional love of that's given to us by by our father. And he often says to us, I want you to love that way. So even when my friends, loved ones, my children, my adult children, my grandchildren come to me and you know, they want to push this or push that. The best thing that I can do for them, no matter what generation they are, and no matter what generation I am, is to meet them where they're at and to love them unconditionally, no matter what they choose to do, no matter how they choose to react or not react or, you know, pursue their, whatever it is that they're doing. And, and I think that that's the, the conclusion that I came to the other day when I was having this conversation with, with one of my sons is, no, he definitely didn't have the same point of view that I would have from that scenario. And I didn't necessarily feel at the time, not intentionally, because I know my boys love me, but he definitely didn't have the softest approach and we weren't going to walk away from that scenario seeing eye to eye. But what I came away after our conversations and after our research and after what we've done is that that's okay. And that if I love him unconditionally, I want him to be able to speak out. I want him to be able to share his feelings and his thoughts. And and, and that we can still meet each other where we're at. We can still love each other. And we can still come alongside of each other and, and love one another. And that's the key to a, to a healthy relationship. So at least in my eyes. I think part of what you ran up against, and and I think I'm sure EJ has too before. And and I have, um, is that sometimes we feel the need to set the record straight. Yes. And I think sometimes that's important because some of what we're talking about here is how we view a past experience, Mm -hmm. how two different people view a the same past experience. And 
sometimes because of the other person's position within that experience, they don't have all the information available. And so they experienced it differently. Doesn't mean they're wrong, but it does because they don't have all of the facts. They don't have all of the information. And so sometimes we feel the need to set the record straight and we have to make a decision in that moment. Do we set the record straight on this one? You know, and it's okay if we set the record straight. We're not telling that other person that they're wrong. We're not telling them that they, you know, their whole experience was a lie. They just didn't have a complete experience within that situation. And so sometimes for their sake and your own, you deserve it too. It is okay to set the record straight. I like that. Thanks for that. Yeah. So I feel like this kind of is a good spot where we can kind of talk a little bit about, um, I guess the positives and how, how can we view or other generations? Like, and I think, you know, in our notes we have, you know, what is the purpose? Where, where those disconnects happen? How can we, you know, still find support value in other generations? Throw that out there as a question. Okay. Well, I, what kind of comes to mind for me is a business, right? If you look at a business, there's different roles. There's usually a CEO or a director, right? And then there's usually an assistant. And then there's the middle management. And then there's the people who come in and work, start at the ground level and are working their way up. If you talk to each of them, they'll tell you how nobody else is doing their job, right? Even their fellow same level workers, they're not doing their jobs, right? Mm -hmm. Because, but they're, they're coming at it from not knowing what that other person's job is. And, and that goes from top to bottom, bottom to top. It doesn't matter. It, it's almost hands down all the time that way um, to some degree or other. Some, some, right. some aren't so bad, but, you know, like certainly the agency I work for, I don't feel, feel that disconnect, but it does show up sometimes. Um, so when I look at it from that point of view, it's kind of like, okay, well, maybe some education of what the other job roles look like, you know, like, like when I used to work fast food, it was always night shift against morning shift. Um, yes. Night shift never did enough at the end of the night. And then um, as far as the morning shift was concerned, and then night shift was like, well, you don't know what it's like to be me. You don't know what it's like to do this job, closing things down and dealing with rushes. <laughs> right. So there, there was always that. So oftentimes what would happen is, um, when it became too much, some of the bosses was like, okay, well, you're going to switch. You are now night shift and you are now morning shift. So you can experience what that's like. Now we can't do that with our intergenerationals, but maybe we can keep that in mind when we have those thoughts and those opinions about what the other generations are doing. Their job and their roles are different than ours. So they're going to come at it from a different point of view. And so just have some grace for that. And as an older generation, trying to for me it's trying to remember what it was like to be that younger generation and now when I do that when I think about I get very defensive about the decisions I made at that time even as an older generation person now looking back someone else is doing the same thing I had done 
I would probably give them all sorts of like, you know, do this, do this, do this. But then when I put myself back in that position, I remember that resentment of that, of, of being told what to do and um, not having enough faith in who I was and how I did things and stuff like that. So I think it's just understanding what the roles are of the other generation. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, you know, I'm grateful for learning from both my grandparents and because I didn't know my grandfathers because they passed away prior to my birth, but you know, both my grandmothers, their generations learning from them um, and my parents too. I'm grateful that I had that opportunity to see how they, and I, you know, how they were raised, how they lived. And then kind of now reflecting now that both my parents have passed away um, of just, you know, what I learned, what I'm bringing into my adult life, but also what I'm um, realizing wasn't maybe the, I don't know, I, I don't want to say that it was wrong because it wasn't because it got them through. Um, but it's habits, habits that they had that I've grown to have um, that I'm trying to break. Or, you know, I, I was just thinking recently, um, my parents growing up, you know, having a vehicle was a status symbol, you know, and uh, not in a like gloating type way. But, you know, if you had a vehicle, you know, you, you were well off. Um, and so there was no in the, our household of um, getting rid of a vehicle. The more vehicles you had, the better off you were, you know? And so um, my dad kept my first car that I ever had, you know, for years. And it was like pulling teeth to let him let it go. Um, and, you know, he always taught, I'm never going to lease a car. And that's just a waste of money. And renting a house, renting an apartment is just a waste. And just all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm trying not to have the attachments um, of certain things. And so like, I'm here, I'm talking like Lori and I've been talking like, do I decide to like upgrade my car and lease a car? Cause then I've, you know, got a more uh, safer vehicle because it's, you know, the maintenance can be taken care of and things like that. Or do I try to get a newer car and, um, you know, finance it and basically spend the next six years having a car. And then when it's done and, you know, I pay it off, is it, you know, what am I going to do with it? You know, especially when it starts nickel and diming me to death. And so it's just the perspectives my parents had. And now I'm like, I'm having to kind of reflect and like, okay, well, what do I want out of this life? Do I want to hang on to these material things or am I wanting to, um, you know, take it a different route, you know? So what, what you're describing is there's a difference in generations on what was available yeah. and what, what could be done yeah. during your parents' generation, buying and purchasing a home looked a lot different than it does now. Right. Um, the, what, how success was defined is different than now. So you were talking about how the vehicles were a status symbol. It was a symbol of success. It was a symbol of right. I'm working hard. I'm earning my way. And now cars aren't like that. Cars right. aren't built the same way they were then. Number one, they are built for throwaway, unfortunately, wish right. they weren't. Um, but so much right now, the way everything sits is throwaway. Purchasing a home does not mean the same thing it used to and is a lot harder to do it's a lot harder to purchase a home than it used to be um 
and again, that's too much for this podcast to go into, but um, same with education. You brought that up earlier. There was a time when, uh, and it's specifically Laurie's and my uh, generation, where it was expected to save up for your kids to go to college. Like that, so many people in our age group, like they, they worked two jobs, they, you know, did all these things so their kids could go to college because that was the only way to succeed. Now, by the time our kids got old enough to go to college, we're looking at a different world. Right. So those are, those are huge factors and how this all plays out. Um, You know, when our grandparents went through the depression, they had food shortages and there was no security there there was you know so they're more likely to don't waste it don't throw it away don't sell it you might need it um and stuff so definitely definitely a lot of those things play into it right i think you hit upon an idea earlier and i think we should come back to it at some point one of the most positive things we can do is learn to respect, learn to honor, learn. I like that word. um, Like I said, the older I get, the, the more perspectives that I have, the more life experiences under my belt, so to speak, I find myself able to more gracefully and with honor and with respect look back on a situation with a fuller picture and say might not have been the way I would have chose to do it but I can see why they chose to do it that way Um, or I remember when I made the same choice or and fell I, on my face <laughs> right I remember falling on my face in the exact same way so there we, yes and and that camaraderie that comes with that um so you know be, life is about balance and we sometimes it works and we're able to take somebody else's experience and learn from it and not have to go through the hardships. And other times we're not. The best way for us to learn it is to fall on our face, if you will, or to fail and then pick ourselves back up and move forward with it. And that's where I think the respect and honor come into play is And just, I don't know about you ladies, but, you know, often as I'm going through these things, I will pray, I will be mindful. I I ask God to give me discernment in this situation. Okay, God, where am I going next? You know, what am I doing here? And sometimes he'll put somebody in my life to reveal something to me. And other times... I feel like he says, I think you need to stumble along and figure it out and or go down this darker path because this is where you're going to learn and grow and and achieve something that you never would have done 
had you not gone down that path. So I really feel like a huge piece of this is respect and honor and what we do with that. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, we definitely have a lot of things that we need, like, to come back to, because I know we can't cover it all in one episode, um, you know, and in things we've talked about, we kind of touched on it, but I know, like, you know, there's even experiences of, you know, kind of taking the perspectives of the older generation or the younger generation and where they came from and where they are now to, or vice versa, like, where they were you know, did they live, grow up in, like my dad, did he, you know, he grew up in a a Minnesota farm and then he moved to a a larger city, you know, after he got out of the military and that's where he stayed. Um, But he still had a lot of that farm boy mentality. Um, Or did you, were you raised in the city and then you moved to a more rural environment? Um, And the whys of that, um, was it because of finances? Was it job related? Um, so there's definitely a lot of those things that we can talk about kind of in future episodes. Um, but yeah, I think this was a really good conversation and, um, a lot more to talk about. And I've got notes here of some different future episode ideas. So thanks again, ladies. Yeah. So just a friendly reminder that anything discussed in this podcast is not to be used as a diagnosis or a replacement for conversations with your own doctors, therapists, psychologists, or medical professionals. This episode is available on YouTube and also major podcast platforms. If you're not a subscriber, we'd love for you to be one. So don't forget to like and click the subscribe button on YouTube to keep up with our upcoming episodes. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Behind the Mask PC. And you can also email feedback and future episode ideas to PC at gmail.com. To find us, EJ, Lori, and T online, links for us will be in the description box. And on behalf of the ladies and myself, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.